Hello and welcome to the Highly Sensitive Soul Podcast. My name is Lisa Matthews, and together we'll explore both the gifts and the challenges of being highly sensitive so that you can bring your unique magic out into the world. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited to be back with another episode on something that I personally feel is really important. Now, sound sensitivity is so, so common in highly sensitive people. And while not every single person will experience this type of sensitivity, it is really common. So I get asked this question a lot, how to navigate life with a sound sensitivity. And I myself definitely have... Uh, I'll say I've been a guinea pig for a lot of different things, trying various things out because I am an extremely sound sensitive person. Now, I was actually really lucky to grow up with a highly sensitive mom and she's also very sound sensitive. So right from an early age, I had it modeled that it's okay to be affected by sounds and that nothing is wrong with me, it's just something I have to learn to navigate. So given that, I'm really thankful that I, at least from an early age, had this sense of, yes, I know I'm affected by sirens and dogs barking and all these other things, and that's okay. Now, I know there are other experiences where you may have been seen as being too sensitive, or, oh, it's not that loud, or just get over it already, or any number of things that can be really hurtful to hear when you're struggling with something that is just too loud, or if you're struggling with a sound that doesn't bother other people around you, but really bothers you. So I just want to name, even before we really get started, that If you've ever felt really different because you're the only one that's affected by a noise, if you've ever felt bad about your sound sensitivity, if you've ever felt like there must be no one else that is bothered by having a washing machine going three floors away that you can still hear, that it's okay that you are not alone and that there are so many of us that get to learn to navigate this challenge of sound sensitivity and the gift of sound sensitivity. So I'm going to get into that in a little bit. All right, I'm going to back up for a moment here and just check in. And normally I do at least one to two episodes a month. I know my last one was in July, so definitely a good time for another episode and it's summer here we've been taking a little bit of time away I had a little holiday which brought its own level of mm, challenge we'll say holidays are great and also really challenging as a highly sensitive so I'll uh, have another episode on that in the future because that's a really important part of life as well 
So while it was great to get away, I definitely really needed my self-care practices. I was really thankful for the tools, the rituals, and just the understanding of, of what was going on when I felt overwhelmed or when I felt overstimulated when I was away on holiday. So it was really nice to be able to come home to sink into my own space, to sink into my own practices. And while I'd managed as best I could while being on holiday, sleep was really disrupted. Uh, there was a lot going on. There was some unanticipated emotional events, we'll say, <laughs> that went on. So it was, it was a big holiday, even if it was only about six days. So knowing all of that, I was really grateful to be able to arrive home and to bounce back. Now I'd planned for that. I'd allowed some time to really rest, to restore myself, to recharge. And it also highlighted some areas in myself that I can continue to learn and grow on. So while I'm not one for the... How shall we put this? Well, I'll rephrase it. It's really common in in the personal growth world to always be fixing something, always be working on something, always be healing something. And I think it's really beautiful to just take a step back and go, I love where I'm at. Sure, I have other areas I'd like to work on one day, but I'm just going to really sink into the richness of my life that I've created and explore, live, be with where I'm at. So I'm not always in this like fix it attitude, but when areas are highlighted that I realize, ooh, I could work on that some more, then I reach out and I've reconnected with my counselor and I definitely recommend having someone on your team. We need some support in our life and it's really helpful to get that from either our friends, our family, or it's pretty awesome to get it from someone outside those places as well. I signed up for an online course. I joined another new community. You might have heard my cat meow in the background, possibly there. And it feels really good to be able to lean into the tools I already have to have identified what needs to shift and what would be supportive for me, and then to find those resources. So I'd like to offer that back to you and ask, what would be supportive for you in the coming months? Now, I have had four different courses on the back burner, either in courses I've run before or there'll be brand new courses. And there's been almost this sense of, I wonder what is actually going to be the most beneficial for people in their lives right now. And so I figured I would just ask. So keeping things really simple, I put together a little two-minute survey. And basically, it's just asking which elements of life are going to be most supported by these four courses. And they are grounding for highly sensitive souls, which is 12 practices for the physical, mental, and energetic aspects of your body. The next is chakra wisdom in everyday life, with knowledge, tools, and practices for beginners to learn how to work with their chakras at home and also deepen into their grounded intuition. 
calm body, calm mind really dives into nervous system knowledge, body sensation practices, and nature-based spirituality to rewire your responses to overwhelm, anxiety, and stress for deeper peacefulness and calm. And the last course that I've had on the back burner for some time is all about reclaiming your menstrual cycle, learning to dance with the rhythms of your changing energies, and to cultivate a relationship with your moon cycle for greater womb health, intuition, and self-love. So I'm curious, which of those jump out at you the most as being supportive for you now and in the coming months? While I'd love to run them all at one time, that's a little beyond my capabilities at the moment. So I just felt like just putting it out there in a really simple little survey, as I've mentioned, I'll give the link in a a moment. And if one of those courses or even more than one jump out at you and you're like, yeah, I think that would really support me on my personal growth journey on understanding my sensitive self then I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to offer things that are really timely and really helpful. So these are the four that have shown up. Grounding for highly sensitive souls, chakra wisdom and everyday life, calm body, calm mind, and reclaiming your menstrual cycle. So if you felt called to share your thoughts, then you can head to bit.ly forward slash highly sensitive fall courses. So again, that's bit.ly forward slash highly sensitive fall courses. And I'm realizing now for some of you listening, you're not going into fall, (laughs) you're heading into spring. So we'll keep that in mind too. Um, Or if there's something else, there's space for you to share that as well. Something else that would be helpful. So I'd really appreciate your feedback, your thoughts. Got a couple other questions on there on on how you best learn, whether that be through one-on-one support, a group online format, or something more self-paced that you do in your own time when it fits in with your schedule. So that's there for you. And as a little thank you for sharing your thoughts, I've got a giveaway that I'll leave open until September 1st. And that is for a bottle of the Empathic Boundaries Flower Essence Blend. So a little note that right now I can only ship to North America, then Canada and the USA. So the giveaway is just for those areas. And if you are outside those areas, just supreme gratitude for sharing your your thoughts. And... I'll share one announcement coming up and then we'll dive back into the episode all about sound sensitivity. So I have a really nourishing workshop coming up for those that are really intrigued and captivated by plants. The intuitive plant connection workshop is all about learning how to receive intuitive messages from plants as well as using your body as a way to connect with a plant on a deeper level. 
So that is going to be on August 27th on Friday. I'm offering both an online option at 12 p.m. PST and an in-person option if you are in Rosland or nearby in Canada. And that's going to start at 6.30 p.m. PST. So if you are really drawn to plants, if you'd like to learn some deeper intuitive practices and meet in a really lovely group, then I invite you to join us. You can find out all the information and save your spot if this calls to you at combinationhealing.ca forward slash events. And that's just reminded me of one other event that I'll share briefly that I'm really thrilled, really honored to be part of an inspiring event in September, the 18th and 19th, the Ignite Women's Conference And I'll be speaking on the four gifts of your menstrual cycle. So if you are are looking for deeper inspiration, connection, and there's going to be a really wide variety of topics, there's 15 different speakers in this event, then you can also learn more about that on my website as well, combinationhealing.ca forward slash events. Okay, I think that's all our announcements for today. I keep thinking of more as we get into it here. But let's sink into sound sensitivity. A disclaimer as we get started that I'm not an audiologist. I'm not a physician. I very much have the lived experience of being someone who is sound sensitive as well as working with many highly sensitives for years who are also sound sensitive and supporting them. I am realizing now, I haven't actually introduced myself, that my name is Lisa Matthews, which you would have heard in the intro. I'm a flower essence practitioner, a registered craniosacral therapist, and I hold circles and workshops for highly sensitives to create a spacious, peaceful and sustainable life that helps them thrive with the gifts of their sensitivities while better learning to navigate the challenges. So being that one of these challenges is to sound, that I'd start with a story of, oh, there could be so many stories here, but a story of when I realized how impactful sound is. So we're going to go back a few years, and I have mentioned this briefly in a different episode where I was living in a lovely apartment, was in North Vancouver, and I had very recently moved there from a place right downtown, which had been next to a very large construction site. So for about a year and a half, there was a substation going in across the street from our bedroom. And that was was intensely loud. Not just, you know, the regular old jackhammers. This is like 7 a.m. or if they wanted to start early that day, like 6.45 with earth-moving equipment, pile drivers, just incredibly loud. And I don't know all the names of construction equipment, which is fine. But suffice to say, at that point in my life, when I was living in the Vancouver place and right downtown, I didn't realize how much that was affecting my nervous system 
to wake up in a startle response every weekday. So it meant that the rest of my day, I was kind of playing catch up. I was feeling frazzled, feeling overloaded, feeling irritated, and it would not even be breakfast time. So I knew that the sound was an issue. I knew the construction was a problem. But at that stage, I just figured to kind of ride it out and do our best with it. And there was a lovely family that lived upstairs from us. They had young kids. So I had the interesting experience of living with the not so much pitter-patter of feet, but yeah, a lot louder than pitter-patter of uh, of young children running and playing and, and just being themselves but as a highly sensitive living beneath that and feeling the foundations of the of the uh, house actually shifting between the kids and between the construction it really drained my batteries pretty quickly in the mornings so fast forward now to the next place we'd moved into this apartment in north van which is where i started the story at and i was just so thrilled to be in a construction-free zone. There was a little no road noise, a little bit of traffic. I could hear the downstairs people, uh, the people that lived underneath us occasionally, but it was glorious. I'm like, this, this is good. And then I saw the construction sign start going up again, right across the street. So my heart kind of sank when I saw that. Maybe you've had a similar experience where you see that there's about to be a big construction project on your block or at work and you go, oh boy, I know this is going to be, this is going to be a bit of a challenge. So for me at this next place, it was kind of the same thing all over again. I was starting to learn more about my nervous system, so I at least had a better understanding of of what was going on a little bit, but that was more towards the tail end of, of construction. But it ended up being about four years, almost in a row, there's about a six-month gap in there, uh, living next to active construction. And then I moved out to the country. I moved out to a tiny mountain town, a few thousand people live here, and while we did get a house in town, it is so quiet. It is so quiet. And yes, there's a few things we can hear from here. We can hear trucks from the highway and that kind of thing. But I felt like the first few months of living in our new home, it was like rediscovering what I could actually feel like without the constant sound, without the constant noise. I didn't really take a lot of measures to care for myself from that sound-sensitive perspective when there was construction, and and I know a lot more now than I did then. And at the same time, it's very eye-opening to see the difference between having this quiet space now, and I felt like I was just in recovery for quite a while after, after moving out here. So that isn't to say that you have to give up your place in the city and move to the country to find relief. 
because I'm going to go through 10 sound strategies that you can bring into your life. You can play around with, you can experiment and see what works for you. I wish I'd known some of these back then, and I'm really thankful to be sharing them with you today. I'm really on a mission to support highly sensitives in all of their beautiful sensitivity, helping us to navigate things that may not be perfect. We may not feel 100%, but if we can make it even just a few percent better, a little bit more easeful on our nervous systems, then we can feel so much more like ourselves and we can really enjoy our life to uh, at a brand new level. So I've shared a little bit about sounds that I struggled with in terms of the construction. That one's pretty obvious, but I'm going to go through some of the sounds that, uh, and this is not an exclusive list, uh, that you may struggle with or you may have a challenge with. This is from my own experience. This is from people I've worked with. This is from researching online and... There's a range of sounds that can affect highly sensitive people and they can be affected in different ways. So some are more sensitive to kind of those quieter sounds, the hum or flicker of fluorescent lights. I say flicker and I know that's a visual, but I hear it almost like a flicker in my ear sometimes, like it's not always constant. Uh, Ticking clocks, air conditioners, computer fans. Sometimes I learn to, in a sense, cancel out or not notice my computer fan as much, and then it'll change pitch. And then I'm like, oh, just aware of it again. The hum of the fridge, which I mention a lot because I have a surprisingly loud fridge. It's not something we knew about when we bought it, (laughs) but for now, I have some ways that I navigate that. There can be things like the washing machine or the dryer, even if it's a few floors away, and just hearing that constant noise or that slight change in the noise. Uh, Having your pets or animals licking or grooming can be something that really bothers some people. And certain people's voices or even one's own voice can be challenging for some highly sensitive people. Uh, one that we know all too well that can be, mm, we'll say, a, a bit of a challenge is phone notifications or ringing or a ping. And that's sometimes for a few reasons. Sometimes when your phone goes off, there's that sense of, what does someone need from me? What does someone want from me? And needing to navigate that. Or just the unknown. I don't know who this is. So I feel like phones are a special category. But having a soothing phone notification, if you use them, really helpful. Uh, Mine is usually on airplane mode, and I check it at certain times throughout the day. It's also basically set to do not disturb unless I'm expecting or needing needing it to be off that. Louder sounds, things that are much more obvious that people would expect uh, those that are sound sensitive to maybe have a problem with are fireworks, Ambulance sirens, car alarms, I mean this very nicely, crying babies, motorcycles, especially Harleys, lawnmowers, whippersnippers, big trucks going by, barking dogs, the sound of horns, 
And I mean that in, it could mean a car horn, but I mean that in an instrumental sense, like the French horn. I have different uh, instruments I prefer listening to, though it's a very nice instrument in its own right. If you're a French horn player, that's wonderful. I prefer soothing piano, but that's just me. So I'm going to invite you, now that I've listed this rather long list of sounds that can be bothersome, I invite you to tune in and notice your nervous system and your inner sensation right now. It may have brought up a little bit of agitation even just hearing about these things. So if you'd like to just take a brief pause with me in a brief brief moment, rather, to allow yourself to notice your feet on the floor. And if you have a nice window that you can look out at a tree or something that is nice to look at. I know I can go over and look at my cat sleeping, so that always feels nice. And if you feel comfortable, if you're in a place where you feel like you can bring your hands gently to your heart or to your belly, wherever your hands are kind of intuitively drawn to. And just taking a moment to allow yourself to feel a soothing sensation. Now, you may not have had any reaction after listening to that list of sounds. That doesn't make you more or less highly sensitive. I just want to name that even in researching for today's episode, I wanted to bring in my own experience, but also check on what is happening in terms of studies and research. It was enough to trigger my own response of like, oh yeah, I know that sound all too well, or people's experiences of it. So it's an opportunity to practice, to notice and go, ooh, okay, I can feel myself getting a little bit activated by this. So I'm going to reach for a practice, and this is a very simple one of bringing your hands to your heart, looking at something that is pleasurable to look at, nice to look at, or connecting with your feet. These are just very simple tools that you can use to just downregulate that response to self-soothe. Okay, continuing on to highly sensitives, and whether or not we actually have supersonic hearing, or do we just notice it more? Now, I'm going to read out something from a great article actually on exceptionallysensitivepeople.com, and I'll pop the link in the show notes as with the other links that I have mentioned and will mention, because I think it sums it up really well. So different HSPs experience stressors in different ways, and not all would be triggered by the same kinds of sounds. In general, however, HSPs are more sensitive to noise than regular people. It becomes a pressing issue that bothers them a lot. The general trend is that repetitively mechanical or electronic noises distract highly sensitives stopping them from focusing on work, being productive. I'm just going to add in here, adding to the stress level or potentially your anxiety level throughout the day. Okay, back to the article. 
Whether HSPs have ears that pick up sound better than other people is yet unclear. However, HSPs assert that they are psychologically more sensitive to sound in their environment. HSP notice sounds and then process them on a deeper level than other people. And this consumes their mind. HSPs like having quiet environments and sound-based distractions can reduce their efficiency drastically. They may also feel overwhelmed, grumpy, and irritable. So I think that brings up a really good point that having an emotional response, feeling anxious, feeling angry, feeling annoyed, or just even a fearful sensation, this can actually be a common and normal response for a highly sensitive person after hearing a triggering sound. Remember, maybe, way back in the first episode, if you've had a chance to listen to it, if not, you're just joining us, welcome. I mentioned that the term highly sensitive person is sometimes referred to as a person with sensory processing sensitivity. So our senses and the way we process them, we're just really sensitive. So I think of the HSP trait as having different kind of overlapping circles, overlapping groupings of parts of the trait. Uh, Some are more sensitive on the emotional, empathetic, compassionate side to other people, find it perhaps hard to have that boundary and claim their own needs. Some highly sensitives are more sensitive on the senses side. So what we hear, what we see, what our actual physical sensations are. The dial may be turned up really loud. Some highly sensitives, it's a bit more about the inner dialogue, our self-talk, being really deeply reflective and always searching for meaning. Now, some of us are sensitive in all of these areas. But I wanted to bring in that mini recap of the different layers of being highly sensitive, and there's more, just as a, a mini recap and summary there. Because when you think about this from a sensory side, what our brain and nervous system is just processing and understanding that we are more prone to overstimulation, just too much for our senses. It's like when your computer freezes because you have asked it to do too many things at once and it's like, whoa, it just kind of freezes. That is instead in us often where we would feel maybe angry or fearful or irritated. We may not realize it's the sound in the background that's making us feel irritated and displace that feeling onto a situation or a person. So it can be kind of complicated. So it looks like right now in the research that we tend to notice what we hear more. We have a different experience of it. That is not actually clear if we have supersonic hearing yet, like if we physically hear better, but there is a lot of evidence showing that we have more of a noticing of sounds compared to the average person. So this is, especially the sound sensitivity, one of the most common elements of the trait that I hear back from people about. I have a quiz on what is your most sensitive sense? And you can check that one out if you like at bit.ly 
forward slash quiz for as an for hsps so quiz for hsps and again i'll pop that in the show notes and that can be a really great self-awareness exercise to realize what your most sensitive senses are and the most common one as i mentioned that i hear back is on sound So the reason why I brought in both those elements of it being fairly common in HSPs and that our nervous system is really noticing this sound is to bring in our first sound practice. Now, I was actually going to bring this in later, but I'm going to start us off actually with it. And the very first practice is self-compassion is to realize that you are wired differently than the average person, than the majority of the population. And that while the world isn't designed for you, you can still create a beautiful, spacious, intentional life. It might just need a bit more conscious work on your part to create that life in a way that's supportive. But I invite you in this first practice first of 10 sound strategies to allow yourself and extend some compassion to yourself that, wow, not everybody experiences this. Not everybody is so irritated or affected by this noise. And I remember that there are others who are just like me. Now you're your own unique self. We all are, but you're not alone in this. So bringing in self-compassion, if you're the only one that's standing on the street corner plugging your ears because the ambulance siren is so loud and you feel kind of weird about it, then I invite you to use that as a prime moment to just extend that understanding for yourself that you're wired differently, you hear things in a different way, and you're not alone in that. Shifting into strategy two here all about navigating sound, is one that you may have tried before. And if not, I'm about to introduce you to a whole new world. It's earplugs. There are so many types of earplugs out there. And I cannot tell you how much of a difference it's made to use them wisely. I'll expand on that in a moment. Now, If you are online at the moment, Facebook, Instagram, you may have seen ads for a particular earplug called Calm. So I've ordered a set of those. I'll give you uh, my initial thoughts on it in just a moment. Not really a full review, but a, a few thoughts I have on it. Now, when we have earplugs and when we have them that are comfortable, they're available, we know that they're in our bag. It can be a really helpful thing to just literally, we're just turning that sound down. Now, my first experience with this was actually way back in my early 20s when I was going to a lot of concerts. Really loved live music. Still do. Don't get quite as much live music out where I live now. That's okay. And I used to remember just having my ears ringing when we got home and I knew that's not the best thing, not so good. So 
It was actually my partner who found something called Heroes, H-E-A-R-O-S. And they're actually originally marketed for musicians because they dampen sound down fairly uniformly. Some earplugs kind of take out certain frequencies, which is a bit more what calm earplugs do, or earbuds. I don't know what to call them now. That's okay. But the Heroes, I find, just dampen everything down. So on my recent holiday, I was actually out in Vancouver, and I definitely made sure I had my earplugs. So I used them in times when I knew I'd be in a loud environment. And I don't always do this, but I used them when I knew I'd be in a loud environment because I knew I was already going to be a little bit more outside my normal self, a little bit more stressed, a little bit more sleep deprived. And I feel that when one's nervous system is already in a stress state, that it makes their sound sensitivity more acute. They're more aware of it. And there's actually research to back this up in women specifically. Now, the study was only between men and women. I know that's very gender binary. And our research will probably be having a gender binary for a long while to come, unfortunately. But in this study by the Karolinska Institute, oh goodness, Institute, I want to say Institute, but there's a T on the end. And I just paused recording to double check that it is with a T on the end, not the important part of this. Anyway, I believe it's in Sweden. And they took a group of 348 people, 208 women and 140 men. And there's a fairly wide age age range, rather, with these people. And they assess them for having a low, medium, or high level of emotional exhaustion. Once they'd worked out what's what a person's stress level was, they induced a stressful experience, either physically or mentally, and, and nothing too intense, like holding ice for a short time or having to perform in front of people while being observed. So these are still relatively mild stresses, though ice is really cold. So when it comes down to the results, they found that women with a high level of emotional exhaustion exhibit higher sound sensitivity after an experimentally induced stress exposure than those who are not exhausted. So what one of the researchers, Dan Hassan, hopefully I'm pronouncing your name right, had to say was when you are hypersensitive to sound, some normal sounds such as the rattle of cutlery or the sound of a car engine can feel ear piercing. Given how common it is for people to work in environments with different kinds of disturbing sounds, this hypersensitivity can be really disabling for certain individuals. So it was interesting, and I would love further research on this as to why there was a difference between the women and the men. So I'm very curious uh, to see, maybe they'll do some further research on this. And this wasn't on highly sensitive people, this particular study. But I still found it a useful layer to bring in. So given that we know from this research study that women have can have a higher response to sounds when they're already 
stressed, especially specifically from the study, high levels of emotional exhaustion, which can be quite common to highly sensitives. We have a really emotional life. I do not want to discount those that identify as male here with this discussion either, because I feel like there's more nuance than could be captured in this one study. And it's not huge. It's a few hundred people, but it's a reasonable enough size. So I'm going to layer in this part of our nervous systems being stressed or our nervous systems already being activated in fight or flight and how that could potentially increase our sound sensitivity. So it's a great time to use earplugs. Now I'll use earplugs sometimes at home throughout the day and I'll use earplugs out in noisy environments I'll use them when I know I'm stressed and need some extra self-care. Now, when not to use earplugs. Remember before I said something about using earplugs wisely? So I want to expand on that. That if we wear earplugs 24-7 all the time, A, that might be a bit uncomfortable, but on a practical level anyway, but we're actually rewiring our brain potentially at that point to become more sound sensitive. So if we use earplugs all the time, our tolerance may go down even more. Now, if you've had that experience, we can go the other way. Remember, your brain is rewiring, it's reshaping itself, depending on the inputs, depending on your experiences. So you can undo that, but at the same time, this is why I'm mindful of when I use earplugs. And I'll go through phases where I'll use them for a period of time every day, and then I might not use them for weeks. I just wanted to bring that in as a caveat that they're a great solution, though we don't want to necessarily shrink our tolerance for sounds when we're actually feeling good. So when you're feeling well, when you're feeling rested, when you know your self-care is on point and you're recharged, then maybe that's a great time to explore how sounds feel for you then. They may not bother you in the same way. So I've gone on a quite a long, brought in a long uh, couple layers here around earplugs, but in short, use them as a great tool and don't underestimate their helpfulness. So I really like Heroes. I've tried a couple different types. I've tried the foam ones. They just irritate my ears, but that's just me. They are a really great option and accessible option to use because they're at most pharmacies. So you can also check out Calm, which if you Google Calm and earplugs, they will come up with lots of beautiful ads and they essentially turn down certain frequencies so kind of the higher pitch ones I actually order the sleep uh, just to use during everyday life because I read that they are more specifically for the highly I'll reword that they're more specifically for those higher frequencies and they have a softer silicon so I thought oh, let's try that out So I use them when I'm in like a medium stress level and want to just soften my body's response to sound because they don't actually block sound. They just change sound. 
Now, this isn't any type of technical review of them, so I'm just going off of what I had read and researched before, so feel free to do your own research on it. I'm not affiliated with them or anything like that, but I really wanted to try them out. So I like them. They have a place for me, but I definitely use my Heroes more because usually when I want to reach for earplugs, I just want to turn the sound down and it actually reduces sound by a number of decibels with using the Heroes. But there are a number of different earplugs out there now that I haven't tried and in researching for this episode, of course, I want to try them all. So one is by a company called Alpine and they have a very similar shape to the Heroes. And the important thing is finding earplugs that are accessible to you, both from a actually getting it and a cost perspective, that they are comfortable for you. I usually find after two, three hours, I want to take any earplug out and that you allow yourself the chance to try a few different ones. So I'm spending a lot of time on this second strategy because I think it's one of the really low cost and really high benefit ones. So I wanted to flesh it out a little bit more. So just to wrap this section up on them, alpinehearingprotection.com, they look pretty nice. They actually looked uh, like a reasonable option. And there was one that I'm really intrigued to try. Where is it here? Called Knops. K-N-O-P-S dot co. So not 100% sure where that means they're located. Where is dot co? Uh, maybe it's just meaning dot company. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think they have a really intriguing system that sounds, and I could be wrong on this, but sounds similar to how the calm earplugs change sound. And Nops takes that a step further. So you have four different options with your ability to change sound and essentially turn down the sound, but both Calm and Nops, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, are not electronic. So of course there's noise cancelling headphones. For me, I don't feel calm when I put those on necessarily. They probably have their time in place, like long haul flights. I haven't been on one of those in a while, probably won't be on one of those for a long time, but in general, um, I find just straight up earplugs that have a non-electronic base, uh, a really helpful thing to use. Okay, that was a long one. We'll go a little faster through the rest of these here. But I'm gonna shift into the sound strategy number three, which I've kind of alluded to, and that is self-care. That's having a well-rested body, a nourished nervous system, because I know I can better navigate sounds that way. And when I'm feeling frazzled or overwhelmed or like I'm in a stress response, I know my tolerance is down. I know I notice things more. So I tend to use earplugs, say, at the end of the day for having dinner, sitting in the kitchen, and I'll pop in some earplugs then, and it's almost instantaneous. So I invite you to notice your body's response. It's not totally perfect, but it's helpful. I feel my shoulders relax. I feel my neck soften. So use your really sensitive gifts of awareness to notice if it's helpful. Now, when I'm referring to self-care, this is a massive topic and also a simple one. How do you design your life to support your sensitivities 
and care for yourself? What tools work really well for you? What do you know has been useful in the past, but maybe you've forgotten about or just gotten out of the habit of? The basics like sleep, eating, having appropriate amounts of rest time in the day, because we need more rest time than other people, the majority of the population, just to really relax and recharge and process everything. So self-care is really, it's really my jam. I do a lot of it for myself. And this is something that forms the basis of my practice with people is how can they create an intentional life where they can really look after themselves well and have a wide range of tools and practices, as well as the knowledge of why they work. So I'm going to leave this one broad because it is broad, but at the same time, the more well-rested you are, notice how sounds are for you. And if you, on the flip side, notice that you're getting really irritated, that sounds are really bothering you, have a little mental check-in and go, hey, what actually is going on body-wise? Oh, okay, I didn't sleep very well. Breakfast was a bit rushed. Oh, I'm, I'm late on lunch. Huh. Actually, maybe I need to just look after my physical body for a couple minutes here and see how that shifts things. All right, so that is strategy number three. Number four is just straight up avoidance. Do you need to meet that person at a restaurant after work? Or can maybe both of you get takeout and go sit in a park? Some sounds are not, especially when you can feel them, uh, are not really that useful to be around in any way, shape, or form long-term. So construction being one of them for, for me, and one of the things that I did back when I lived there, and this wasn't so much an intentional practice as a, oh my gosh, get me out of the house, I went to the library a lot. I love libraries. They're generally very quiet, very calm. I am a total bookworm, so they're really great for me. And maybe you have one nearby, maybe you can access one, or maybe not. Maybe that's not a good option for you. I know a lot of people go to cafes to work, and they're like, this is great. And yeah, I don't have that same experience. It's nice to go and sit and take in the environment, and then I go home. <laughs> I can't really actually get any work done there. But... Going back to sound strategy number three, avoidance has its time and place. So for me, I really did plan my day differently, knowing that construction was going to start early. And sometimes I was better at it than others, making sure I got out of the house, making sure I looked after what needed to be done at home so I could just be physically in a quieter environment. So there was a lot more I could have done there, but that was something that I did for myself that was helpful. What ways can you allow the sound to not be a part of your life? Sometimes it's not actually a really easy thing. And this leads us into sound strategy number five. And if it's a sound that you actually cannot get away from, you can't avoid it, then I invite you to see if there's a way that you can ask for it to change. Is this a logistics issue? 
Is your desk right next to the air conditioner and the hum drives you bonkers by lunchtime? Can you request a desk change? And if it's something else, how can you get creative to actually have a bit of change there? Can you ask for and advocate for your highly sensitive needs? Now realize this can in itself be challenging. Asking for support or asking for someone to do something that maybe you think is an inconvenience for them. Maybe your coworker listens to their radio all day long. Yes, there can be an emotional cost to asking for what you need and there can be an emotional empowerment. So if you're struggling with that idea of like, I have an idea for a solution about avoiding this type of sound, but I, I don't actually know if I can do this. I really invite you to get support. Connect with a counselor, a coach, a practitioner. I work with people on this. How to ask for the change that they need so that they feel well. So that is sound strategy number five. Ask for what you need. And moving on to number six. This sounds too simple to be effective, but I invite you to try it out because it is surprisingly helpful. And that is to name the sound. Just name it. Usually in your internal voice, in your mind. But if you are standing on the street and a fire truck's going by... I invite you, if you feel comfortable, to feel welcome to plug your ears and just name, that's a fire truck siren. I'm hearing a fire truck siren. I think of it like I'm telling my inner child what's going on. And I find it just a a really gentle way and also from a nervous system tracking perspective, naming what something is can help to tame it. Now, sometimes I do this repeatedly. If it's coming, I can hear it, and then it's in front of me, and it's loud. I do it more than once, and just even say, a bus is going by. Okay, I'm noticing the bus is loud. This is my body responding to the bus. Yeah, the bus is going to be moving along soon. You can just simply name that that's a siren, or that's a dog barking. At our core, and when I mean core, I mean brain and nervous system, it's trying to keep us safe. It's always scanning for threats. And if our nervous system is activated or turned into that fight-flight response by hearing a loud noise, it can be helpful just to very simply name what's happening. Will it make you feel totally zen and calm? Probably not, and that's okay, because remember, we're aiming for learning to navigate sound sensitivity, and this isn't about perfection. This is about what makes it a bit better for you, even just 2% better. So if it's helpful to name it, then I invite you to just keep that as a really simple thing you can do. Just tuck it away in your back pocket and have it handy for when the... Neighbors are mowing their lawn, or whatever it might be. 
So sound strategy number six is to name it. Moving on to number seven is to have sound breaks. Can you have quiet time in your day that you know is coming? Generally after breakfast and after lunch, I sit down for a few minutes and often I'll pop my earplugs in, maybe just for five minutes. Maybe I'll just sit and rest. Maybe I'll read a book. But this is one of my sound breaks. I turn off any music. If I really want to make it a full sound break, I'll close the windows and definitely put in earplugs. Or if I just want a a simple one, uh, I may not reach for any of those, but I'll just sit and have nothing else really making a huge amount of noise in that moment. Using that time as as just quiet time in your day can be really restorative. So can you plan in, say, a five-minute sound break in your day? If you are in an office and it's noisy and you have a single-stall bathroom, it may feel a little weird. It's not the nicest place to hang out, but some bathrooms are surprisingly nice. I spend a lot of time in there as escape strategies and just pause places. So can you just spend two or three minutes in the bathroom, not needing to do anything, but just in quiet? If you drove to work, can you sit in your car? It's a high chance that you already have tried that out or done that already if you're highly sensitive and if you drive to work. But having a sound break in some way, shape or form in your day can be really helpful. Moving on to sound strategy number eight. This one is a little bit more complex and have to dive into working with a practitioner on this one. I don't actually work with this, so I've been so curious about it. And that is something called the safe and sound protocol. It is developed by Dr. Stephen Porges. Now, if you've heard of the vagus nerve, you may have heard of polyvagal theory. In short, this is a way of looking at our nervous system and how we engage with other people socially, how we feel safe, and alternatively, how we feel unsafe, what our body does when we're under threat. So polyvagal theory is well and truly a whole, uh, I was going to say a whole episode, but something I talk about more in the courses that I offer and in sessions with people have a Google, have a YouTube look if you're interested, because it's really the science of feeling safe. So it can be a really interesting thing to start to work with our our vagus nerve and polyvagal theory, meaning more than one vagus, a dorsal and a ventral side to our vagus nerve, a back and the front. So I won't get into too much of it in this moment in time. However, he has developed a protocol and it actually was originally researched, um, I believe, for children with autism. And it is essentially a type of filtered music. So there's more that goes into it. And there is a fairly, fairly deep science in it as well. But it is a way of listening to sound 
as a way of rewiring your nervous system. So if you want to learn more about that one, you can head to integratedlistening.com and connect with a practitioner there. Oh, stay tuned. Who knows? Maybe this will be something I offer one day because I've heard about it for years and been really intrigued by it. So something to look into that is a little bit more specific. Now, given all of that, that is our number eight. And given that I haven't talked about flower essences yet, I definitely am going to bring those in now. So going from the straight science more into the nature-based spirituality, Mm -hmm. that's how I roll. So we're going into sound strategy number nine, and that's flower essences. Now, when working with someone with sound sensitivity, I'll generally recommend a few different flower essences, mainly on reducing your level of stress. So this would be rescue remedy, a custom calming blend that I make for people in a session, or you can add in a flower essence by FES in California, that stands for Flower Essences Services, called dill. You may have grown dill, you've probably eaten dill, but in general, it has a flower essence signature that's supportive for processing on a sensory level. Now, this, when I say processing on a sensory level, this is referring to working energetically still. So if you like, flower essences are a wonderful way of shifting our consciousness, our awareness, our insights, our beliefs, our habits. So when working with someone who's sound sensitive, I bring in a few different tools. So flower essences being one of them, but also the self-care aspect, also the self-compassion aspect, also some more somatic practices. So I encourage you to consider that and just weave in a few all together. I'll tell you a little bit more about dill. And I'm going to read directly from the FES Repertory by Patricia Kaminsky and Richard Katz. So the cacophony of modern living conditions can stun and even stifle the sensory capacities of most persons. With the advent of the technological age, the soul is literally bombarded with countless sense impressions. What one sees, hears, tastes, smells, and touches in the course of a day can be quite staggering. Soul hygiene requires that these sensorial impressions be assimilated. Otherwise, psychic indigestion and nervous overwhelm result. In prior times, those who wished to develop spiritually sought remote environments and ascetic living conditions, which diminished sensorial stimulation and freed the soul for higher spiritual work. Dill flower essence helps to harmonize the psychic life within the context of daily work and modern living. The pattern of imbalance or time to use dill is when overwhelm due to excess stimulation, hypersensitivity to the environment or to outer activity occurs with the positive qualities that dill flower essence can bring, being the ability to experience and absorb a wide variety of sensory experiences heightened awareness of taste, touch, hearing, sight, smell, etc. So in a sense, dill helps to change your experience of what you are sensing. So it's one way of working with sound sensitivity and helping to renegotiate your relationship to it. 
So all that being said, this is an area where with flower essences, I'd more be working with helping to navigate the overwhelm and calm your nervous system through things like rescue remedy or a calming blend that is made just for you. So that brings us to sound strategy number 10. And that is to use it as a gift. There's actually more research coming out showing how listening to really soothing music or classical music can actually decrease cortisol levels within us, can reduce our sense of stress, and help us feel calm. So if we're really sound sensitive, I've spent most of the episode focusing on how that's a problem, on how loud noises, on how even minor noises that don't affect other people can be really challenging for us. But with this 10th sound strategy, I want to focus on it as a gift. Because when one feels centered, one feels grounded, and is able to use their experience of noticing sounds in a positive way, it's a beautiful way of celebrating being highly sensitive. I love sound. And one of the aspects of the HSP trait is that some of us are deeply moved by music and the arts. We get more joy out of a beautiful sound or an incredible song than the majority do. So why not use this in an intentional way? I have a number of playlists for different moods. And if I'm needing a really quick way to soothe my nervous system, I will often use sound. I have a very carefully chosen list of classical songs that I find particularly soothing for me. They may not be for everyone, and that's okay. So I encourage you, if you have certain songs that come on and you go, oh, I can feel how relaxed I am with this, or I can feel how this just fills me up with joy, save it. Create a playlist for it. Have it accessible so that you can actually create some time and space to listen, to lean into the gift of having a sound sensitivity. Some people find nature sounds particularly wonderful and heading out into the woods, being able to listen to the birds, perhaps it's the ocean. These can be very calming for us. So just like some sounds, it can really ramp up our stress level. Other sounds can really turn it back down. So use that as a practice and as a simple strategy to bring more calm into your day. So there are 10 different sound strategies you can use. You can pick and choose what works for you and I'll review them briefly here as I move towards a wrap up because I see time 
is going along. I knew I had a lot to say on this and I haven't even actually gotten to all my notes. <laughs> so it's a big topic. It's one I, I speak a lot more about. I go more specifically into it and the Calm Body, Calm Mind program because it's a big part of being able to self-regulate, self-soothe and celebrate being highly sensitive. So the strategies in order, the first was self-compassion. Second was earplugs. Third was self-care. Fourth was avoidance. Fifth was asking for what you need. Six was to name it. Seven was to incorporate sound breaks into your day. Eight is the safe and sound protocol by Dr. Stephen Porges. Nine is exploring the use of flower essences. And 10 is using it as a gift. Listening to music, listening to sounds. Oh my gosh, cat purring? The best for me anyway. I know for others it doesn't work very well for them. As soon as my cats start purring, I just relax to such a deep level. It's really nice. Can you tell you're talking to a cat person? I bring them in a lot. <laughs> I love dogs too, but right now we have two furry felines. So there are 10 different strategies you can use, and I hope more knowledge and information that you can really bring in to understand yourself better, to care for yourself so well, and that this can help you build a spacious, intentional, and sustainable life. So I will move us towards a close by just naming a few conditions that I didn't go into today, but that may be helpful to explore. Sometimes there's more specific strategies that you can look at. One is hyperacusis, and that is hearing too much sound. Sounds are louder. Now, this is a rare condition, but it's something that I believe an audiologist would be able to diagnose. There's also something called misophonia, which is, this is actually from the nops.co website. They had a great definition of it. When, or characterized by a strong reaction that's triggered by certain sounds like chewing, swallowing, sniffing, or mouth smacking. So one study found that around 80% of the sounds were related to the mouth, popping gum, whispering, eating, and that about 60% were repetitive and these were, were trigger sounds. So misophonia is more of a way you relate to certain sounds and often related to sounds of the mouth. Phonophobia is a fear of sudden loud sounds. Now, this also relates to anxiety and potentially even an anxiety disorder, though I say that with trepidation. <laughs> I guess I don't want everything to be a label. I don't want everything to be a another statistic or another diagnosis. However, the other side to that is it can be incredibly empowering to know, hey, other people experience the same thing. We have a box that we kind of lump some symptoms in with and we call it this. So phonophobia is it's not a hearing problem that we get. It's more that we're so startled by a loud sound that we live in fear 
of a loud sound happening. So they give a great example on the Nops.co website of seeing someone blowing up a balloon, of it being not just unsettling, but a disturbing thing for a person with phonophobia to observe as he or she anticipates a loud sound when the balloon pops. And it includes a lot of physical symptoms like the desire to flee, excessive sweating, more almost like a panic type symptom, a panic attack. So I just wanted to bring in a name that there is sound sensitivities and then there's other areas in life, others that some may call them conditions, uh, tinnitus even, uh, continued ringing in the ear or an external sound that may be not constant. It may just be a certain noise every now and again, but it is not from an external sound. Your ear is essentially making it. So there are a number of different things around our hearing that can be either a physical issue or a a more psychological challenge that we need to ideally get some support with. So if you're sound sensitive, allow yourself to sink into these strategies. Also, make sure that you've covered all the bases. If you feel called to get checked out, connect with your doctor, connect with an audiologist, and they can give you some more specific strategies for you. So this was, as I have named already, a bit of a longer episode. I know there's a lot of information in here, and this is just such a deeply inherent part to many, not all, but many highly sensitive's journey that I really wanted to spend some time on it. And I absolutely had to laugh when I was pulling my oracle cards for today because I pulled a card on the ears. And I really had to laugh at that. So there's a beautiful deck called The Knowing by Seal Grove. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, C-I-E-L. And I really had to laugh that that was one of the cards that uh, came up. So sound sensitivity can be a part of a highly sensitive life. And it can point to some deeper elements that we may need to look at. We may have more in our healing journey to explore We may want some more support in our life. So I encourage you to become empowered, to learn, to find practices that feel good to you and that work for you, for your own unique self. If you'd like to have your say in the upcoming fall courses that I offer, and I will go more into specifics on the nervous system in the Calm Body, Calm Mind, but... There's also a number of others that I mentioned earlier on grounding, the chakras, the menstrual cycle. And feel welcome to head to bit.ly forward slash highly sensitive fall courses. And just a little reminder of the two events I mentioned earlier. The intuitive plant connection workshop coming up on August 27th. And that I'll be speaking on the four gifts of your period at the Ignite Women's Conference in September. More information on my website, combinationhealing.ca forward slash events. Uh, I hope this has been supportive and helpful for you. Feel free to just try out one or two at a time and see which strategies work well. Add them to your toolbox if you like them or leave them if they're not for you. 
And while I've had a little bit of a break from podcasting, I have a few amazing guests lined up that I'm going to be interviewing in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for that. I hope you have a really beautiful rest of your day. And if you'd like, just an invitation to maybe at the end of this episode, maybe put on one of your favorite songs and just enjoy listening to it. All right, everybody, have an amazing day and bye for now.